Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. I've got a word I've been sitting on for a little while, actually, and if you've got your Bibles here today, why don't you flick across to Genesis chapter 13, and this word has been sitting with me just for a couple of months, actually, since we had our prayer and fasting season. Remember that season when we pressed into God and was a little bit hangry uh, during those few days there? Um, certainly, I felt I had a word from God for, for our church uh, during the early months of January, early days of January. And I, um, I've been sitting on this word, and this word's very much a word that is, it's not your traditional kind of word in the sense where, you know, when you pray and fast, sometimes you position yourself, you know, by, by the cool streams and, Lord, by the, by the, by the green pastures is coming, let me soak in your presence. This wasn't this kind of prayer life that I was actually in at that, that particular time. Rather, this was a prayer that was a bit more... I guess there's a bit of a spiritual mongrel coming up inside of me. There was a bit of a wanting to press back against the devil's plans. There's a bit of a position where I really felt the word for our church um, that I received at the time I want to preach today is a word called taking grounds. Taking grounds. And we stand against the enemy, we stand against the devil, we stand against the devil, and we come to a place where we want to take back grounds. And I have this position today, I want to encourage, I want to declare upon our church that we are going to be taking grounds, that you as individuals upon your homes are going to be taking grounds. I want to stir up some faith here in the place here today, where we indeed have a position where we take grounds. And for some of you, they'll be taking new grounds. You'll leave grounds, we'll take new grounds. But I also felt as I was preparing here today that it'll also be a place where for some of you, it'll be actually reclaiming old grounds. Reclaiming ground that you once stood in, that for whatever reason, you found yourselves moving to the sides. I want to preach a word today that speaks to of let's go and take new grounds. Genesis 13. Um, and a bit of context, most of us here would know that in Genesis chapter 12, we hear in Genesis 12 verses 1, says, Abraham, I want you to, to go and actually leave the place where you're dwelling right now. I want you to leave your father's household and I want you to go to new grounds. But then he says these words in verses 2 and 3, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out my blessing upon you. I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to bless every part of who you are. In fact, I'm going to bless those who hang around you. I'm going to bless those who are with you. He also says words like, I'm going to curse those who curse you. Who knows you want to be on the good books of Abraham during that time, okay? And we find ourselves in a place where there's a blessing, there's a promise of God in chapter 12 that's given out to, the, to, to Abraham during this time. And in verse 4, he says, hey, um, I want you to leave. He says, I take Lot, and then they leave the place where they go. And we pick up in chapter 13, where I want to focus here today, in verses 8 to 9 and then 14 to 18, it says these words. So, so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. You want to have ever had a quarrel before, hence? Oh, we have three of you, okay, all right. Or between our herders, between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Basically, what hap what's happening during this time is, is uh, when Abraham, or Abram at the time, has left 
with Lot and his family, they've gone to these new grounds. And because of what the promise that God had for him was true, they started to multiply, they started to be blessed. And they started to actually outgrow the space that they were in there together. We start to see the fact that the herders start fighting, the shepherds start fighting, the animals started fighting, the families started fighting. It was a bit of a mess that they found themselves in during this particular time. But look what Abraham says. He says, basically, I love you. Let's not find ourselves in this position where we are quarreling. Let's part company. And he says, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In other words, whichever way that you decide to be able to go, I'll go the opposite way. Now, very much, this was actually Abraham's, Abraham's decision to make during this time. He was the man. He was the boss. He could have said, I'm going there. You go over there. But no, he says, how about you go this direction? I'll go, and then I'll go the opposite direction. Let's part company. And let's see um, God's response in verse 14. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after, everyone said after. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, and notice that God speaks to Abram again after he parts ways with Lot. This is interesting. This is actually really important for this message here today. You see, God had given a word to Abram in chapter 12, and it was a word of promise, it was a word of blessing, it was a word of goodness, it was a word of, that was very much setting him up for his future. But then, interestingly enough, that God doesn't, doesn't actually say much more between then and when we actually hear God again, again come and say these words. And sometimes for us here today, we're in a place where we're actually looking for God to say something new. But actually what God's saying, I want you to obey what I first told you, and then I'll give you a new word. Sometimes we're looking for the new thing, but God's already said, I've already told you what to do. I want you to go and obey that first before we actually get anything more. And what had to happen here was that Lot and Abram had to part ways. They had to go different ways. And the truth of the matter is that what happened is that, that, that Abram found himself in a position where he was kind of obeying God. He was in a place where he was partly obeying God. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, I want you to leave your country, I want you to leave the people, including your father's household. And what happens here is that he says, no worries, God, I'm going to go, I'm going to head out, I'm going to take my, my, my immediate family, but I'm also going to bring someone along with me that was not part of the original plan. And his name was Lot. And so we see here that Abraham, Abraham finds himself in a position where they have to be able to part ways. He says, look around, this is what God says, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give you and your offspring forever. He says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could ever count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. I love how God speaks to his insecurities. Remember in this particular moment, Abraham, who becomes Abraham, so Abraham means father, and Abraham means father of many nations. Currently, at this particular point, he has no kids. They've been trying. They've been struggling. But he starts to speak to the insecurity. He starts to speak to the lack. And that's what God does sometimes. He'll actually speak to the things that actually sometimes are a bit painful for us. And he reveals things. He reveals promises for us. And he says, if you can trust me in this place, if you can trust me in this area, I'll be able to pour out this promise to you. 
It says, for I'm giving this land to, oh, sorry. So go, walk through the length and the breadth of this land. And church, this is where when I was reading and going through my quiet time through the, the prayer and fasting of, of, of January, this particular verse jumped out at my spirit, jumped out at my soul. And where it says here that don't just look at it. So God says, look out. But then he says, I want you to go and walk this land. I want you to start claiming this land. I want you to start owning this land. I want you to start speaking over this land. And he says, I want you to go and claim it, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that we can stand or sit here right now, be able to be under your word. I pray may speak to hearts and souls here today. Be with us to pray. God, I thank you that no one here or no one listening on the podcast even right now is hearing or seeing this by mistake, that you love every single one of us, that, God, you pour out your blessing upon every single one of us. God, be with us, I pray. I pray that this word may be, uh, uh, give glory to you here today. We thank you that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we place our trust in you here today. In Jesus' name. So in Genesis 12, as we said beforehand, God says, I'm going to bless you, but I want you to do one thing, Abraham. I want you to do one thing. You need to leave what you currently know right now, and I want you to go to a new space. I want you to go to a new area. I want you to be able to move on from where you are and go to a new place. And he says, I want you to be able to take your immediate family and some of those things, but I want you to leave your father's household. And we actually see the very first form of obedience that uh, Abram actually gives to God is a form of disobedience because he kind of does those things. He kind of leaves the things that he knows and is, a, is aware of, but he brings a long lot along the journey. In verse 4 of chapter 12, we actually see this truth where it says that he left, but he brought a long lot with him along the journey. And that's where when we get to this place in, in chapter, nine, chapter 13 of, um, and verse 9, where things are fighting, people are fighting, there is, there's, this, there's a mess taking place during this time. And I actually think that Abraham gets to this place where he's like, God, I've tried to do it my way, but I've realized that your word and I realized your instruction was different to that. And now I need to be able to submit to that and surrender to that. And now I'm actually saying, God, even though I've tried to do it my way, I've seen the fruit of that and it's a bit of a mess. Anyone ever had that moment in their time beforehand where they're like, God, I've tried to do things my way. I've tried to do things in accordance to what I think is right. But when I submit to your plans and submit to your ways, I actually find myself in a place where I can start to see the fullness of the life that you want to be able to give to us. And this is kind of the revelation that Abraham is getting during this time. He's getting to this place of like, I've, I've, I've kind of obeyed, but now I'm coming to a place where I want to fully submit. And for that to happen, Lot, oh, you need to go that way. I need to go this way. We need to find ourselves separated in order for us to be able to enter into the promises that God indeed has for us. Last night, I was building a Ikea kind of style uh, bit of furniture for um, a little steps for Ollie. And I tried doing it my way first. And who knows when you try building Ikea your way, you get nowhere very, very fast. And this is kind of what was taking place for Abraham. Like he was in place, I've kind of done things my way, but I want to actually fully submit. I want to fully be in a place where I can give and hand over. 
So this, this morning, I've got three things for us that I want to encourage us as a church, as individuals, as families today, that if we're going to take ground, these three things can be done. If you've got a notepad, if you've got a, you've got a phone, something like that, I encourage you to write these things, three things down. I'm actually going to give you those three things straight away, straight up. First, number one is we need to let go. We need to let go. Number two, we need to look up. Number three, we need to light a fire. Light a fire. Some of you pyros out there are already like, oh, light a fire. Yes, hello. Give me that. Let go. Look up. Light a fire. First one, let go. Who knows that when we want to pick something up, we often need to put something down. Yeah? If we want to find ourselves entering into new grounds, we need to leave the place that we are currently. If we are in a place where we are wanting to uh, have a new thought, we often need to be able to remove a thought in our minds for us to be able to move forward. To enter into something new, we have to be prepared to say goodbye to the old. Abraham had a lot to get rid of. You and I have a lot to get rid of as well. <laughs> some of you, that's a person. Some of you, that's a thought. Some of you, that is a, an anger. Some of you, that is an old sort of pain, a trauma. But we have a lot to be able to get rid of. Abraham had a lot to be able to get rid of. <laughs> and when we are, find ourselves in wanting to obey his ways and be able to submit ourselves to his plans... We often have to be able to be prepared to let something go, to let it go. I've discovered one of the most important things to let go is offence. One of the most important things for us to be able to do is to release forgiveness. And Pete, can I just get, maybe get you to bring the, the uh, thing forward? Offence is almost like an Olympic sport now these days. <laughs> Anyone seen that before? <laughs> I'm offended. Well, I'm more offended. <laughs> I'm most offended. We find ourselves in a place where any kind of disagreement automatically leads to offence. We need to find ourselves in a place, church, where we actually release offence really quickly. Unforgiveness is actually a weight that none of us have been designed to be able to carry. And I've discovered that it's only a weight that gets heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. We have to be so careful of offence. I know this is not necessarily easy right now. This is not necessarily a tickle your ears kind of moment, but I can guarantee you this will set you free. This kind of word here has the ability to set you free. The people who get stuck in life, so often there is a root of offence that causes them to be stuck in life. And I want to encourage us, be brave here to church, for us to be in a place where we submit to the, the leading of the Holy Spirit and the grace of the Holy Spirit here today, where we can actually examine our lives. We actually allow the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. Say, God, if there's offence in my heart here this morning, I want to be free of that in Jesus' name. And I'm praying and believing that the people will be set free as they consider this thought here this morning. You know, offence is not always caused by the devil. Has anyone ever been driving beforehand when they're next to somebody, they're like, and a red light goes on. Oh, that's the devil. <laughs> You're like, 
are you serious? No, no, that's not the devil. Or they fall over and they say, oh, that's a spiritual attack, Dan. Like, no, you're probably a bit unco, okay? It's just, you know, it's... Not everything's the devil's fault. Let's stop pinning everything on the devil. But here's the thing. Offense is one one of the number one things that the devil we use or a weapon against us. I want to look at a scripture from Hebrews 12, verses 14 to 15. It says these words. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Look at that. Make every effort. Make it your ambition. Do all that you can. Put it as a top priority to try and do this and to be holy. Without holiness, oof, no one will be able to see the Lord. Isn't that a massive statement? Verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Again, look at this language, see to it. We have a responsibility in this church. We've got a, a role to be able to play. And that's for what? So that no bitter root will grow up to cause trouble and to defile many, the Bible says. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Question for us here today, where did bitter roots come from? <laughs> they come from the seeds of offence that are allowed to be able to grow in the soil of unforgiveness. Let me say that again. Bitter roots grow up because of the seeds of offence that have been given permission to grow in their soil of unforgiveness. Here's what it looks like. Look at a fence. We're all going to come across a fence. Sometimes it's a bigger fence, sometimes a smaller fence. Sometimes it's they unfriended me, unfriended me from Facebook. <laughs> that can be a blessing, by the way, in disguise. <laughs> sometimes it's a bigger fence. It's traumas. It's moments in life. It's really difficult things to be able to move forward. Sometimes there's huge relational challenges. But we all find ourselves coming across a fence. With that offense, though, we have the choice, and it is a choice, church, because here's the thing. We're not always responsible for the offense, but we're responsible for the actions that we take beyond the offense. We've got a choice to forgive, And forgiveness will then lead to freedom and liberty and actually allowing ourselves to set free that moment, set free that person that we've actually placed in the cage of our hearts. It's actually a weight that gets taken off our shoulders and we place it at the foot of the cross and we release them. Or we can choose to not to forgive. Well, unforgiveness. Forgive my poor writing there. We find ourselves in this place. And this is where, if we choose not to forgive, the Bible clearly says, bitterness has a field day. It says the, the, the root of, 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 uh, of bitterness, it, it, was, it says it grows. It gets bigger and bigger. And what do roots do? They end up actually producing a fruit. What does that fruit look like? Trouble. I'm too sure if we can put that um, scripture back on the on the on the um, the Hebrew scripture back on the screen, please. 
Bitterness, it says, then will lead to trouble. If we go to the next one. And then, this is behaviours. Have you, have you noticed that? Actually, bitter people are really difficult to be around. Yeah. Anyone noticed that before? They're often cold. They're often very standoffish. They're often very self-centred. And often, I actually go compassion because what happens is they, they, they create a, a defence mechanism to try and protect themselves. The Bible says, if we don't forgive, it leads to bitterness, which leads to trouble. And this is the behaviours. That's why it's so important in, in, uh, in teams and organisations to find ourselves in really careful of bitterness flowing throughout. We're going to find ourselves, which then lastly it says, that it leads to defilement. Ugh. And what it says here, it defiles many. I've noticed that bitterness never actually stays with an individual. It wants to spread. That's the nature of this. Church, we've got to let go of unforgiveness. We've got to let go of offence. And there are many, many, many things that we can find ourselves needing to let go of in life, but I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to actually speak to us here today of let's be fast to let go of offence. And here's the truth of the matter, that Jesus comes and he says that because of all that you have been forgiven, that's me and you, I want you to now do the same for others. So this is actually an instruction, not just a good thought. And so often when it comes to forgiveness, we need to obey first before we feel like doing it. Anyone ever had that sort of thought before? I'll forgive them when they, when they ask for forgiveness, when they repent, when they come before me. <laughs> no, no, no. God's actually instruction to us long before that, have a heart that says, it's actually a mirror that says, God, I know how much I've been forgiven. God, I'm so grateful for that. And because of that, I now want to release the same kind of forgiveness. If we were to get super practical here this morning, which I want to give you tools so that you're not just hearing things on Sunday, but then you can use on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and throughout the rest of the week. If we got super practical, our prayer needs to go along these lines. God, I choose to forgive. Not just feel it, I choose to forgive. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate my minds, open up, examine my heart. Is there anyone or anything I need to release forgiveness of here today? God, I want to let it go. I know that you're calling me forward. I know you're calling me to be able to take grounds. I don't want to be stuck in this place of unforgiveness. And then with the place of asking the Holy Spirit's help, say, God, help me to forgive. Help me to lay it down. I don't want to carry this burden any longer. It's not mine. And I see the Holy Spirit just working in lives and in hearts. For some of us here, it's, it's a hurt or an offence that's taken place years ago, sometimes decades ago. And God's saying, I want to redeem. I want to reconcile. I want to see a, a promise of God laid out before you. But you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. Okay. Everyone smile again. <laughs> Everyone good? Sometimes truth, it, it, 
it means for us to lean into it and to confront it and to face it. I've had to do this. I'm sure you've all had to do this. And often that's something that we need to do time and time and time again. One more thought with forgiveness. It doesn't mean that when you forgive, you automatically let the person back in your life or the situation. Boundaries are healthy. Wish I could speak more time on that, but it's important for you to know. Okay, so number one, let it go. I feel like Elsa right now. <laughs> let it go. Number two, we need to look up. We need to look up. We need to look up. Genesis 13, verses 14 and 15, it says, uh, The Lord said to Abram, Look around from where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you. I want to be brief on this particular point here today because I actually want to, I think God wants to, wants to do something a bit later on. But basically what you see here is that God's saying to Abram, I want you to look out everywhere that you can see. I'm giving it to you. I'm handing it over to you. And because you trusted me in the moment of making sure you're faithful to God, that's faithful in the, in the moment with lots, I'm now wanting you to receive this promise. Church, I want to encourage us to be a church that prays the prayer that we see in Psalm 119, verses 18, where it says, God, open my eyes to your wonderful truths of your instructions. Open my eyes. Open my eyes to the promises of your word. Open my eyes to the truth for following your ways. Open my eyes to the possibilities of 2023. Open my eyes to, the, to give me vision for my future. Open my eyes to see what God is doing in my heart, in my church, in my family, in my business places. Open my eyes, God. God, open my eyes to the things that have been previously closed so now I can see what you want me to see. And this is what's happening right now with Abram, he was saying, God, I can now start to see what you are seeing. I wonder if we could be imagining ourselves of how small we are, but how big God is, and we can start to see what he sees for us, and his promises, and his ways, it will start to shift the way we look and see and act. And I see God wanting to raise up. God, open my eyes to the truth. Open my eyes to the wonders of your glorious instructions. I've got a question for us here today. What's God calling you to step out in faith for? When was the last time you had to step out in faith? <laughs> Sometimes we live our life so safe, so secure. I ask myself the question, do we even need God? I can see today's a bit of a confronting message for some. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I know it's good for us. I know it's good for us. Where we need and where we want him to be our step out and faithful. Where do we need to actually trust God in? Where is there a gap in our life that we say, but God, I need God. I need God to be the bridge in that particular moment. But sometimes we've got life so well planned and so well held onto and so well like, controlled that our need for God is actually reduced and reduced and reduced. I wonder if we can be a Peter that gets our leg on the side of the boat. We can find ourselves more in the deep end of life, trusting in him for what he has for us. So last number three, light a fire. So let go, look up. Number three, light a fire. Light a fire. Genesis 13 says, in verse 18 it says, in Mamre of Hebron, Abraham or Abram built an altar. 
You know, everywhere Abram goes, he builds altars. He builds altars. He lights a fire under the altar. He places a sacrifice on top. And he surrenders himself to God. The altar represents worship. It represents sacrifice. It represents gratitude. It represents surrender. The altar represents the presence of God. And for us, where we're going, church, we need to have individual altars in our heart that are set up all the time. We need to find ourselves in places where we are setting a fire up of God in our life. You know, Exodus chapter 20, it says that God actually says in Exodus 20, verses 24, and don't worry, um, Jeffrey, I haven't given you this verse here, but he says in Exodus 20, 24, that every time that you build me an altar, every time that you pray and seek for me, every time that you lean into me, every time you come and pray and fast, every Every time you worship, every time you put me first, every time you lift up the kingdom of God, there are two promises that I'll give you. That when you build an altar in the hearts, when you build an altar, two things are going to happen. I will be there and I will bless you. Exodus 20, 24. I will be there and I will bless you. And I know that God is wanting to be there Anyone wants him to bless you. You know, the Bible says that he built the altar in Hebron. Why don't we quickly do a quick Hebrew lesson? Everyone say Hebrew. Everyone say Hebron. Hebron, okay. Hebron's meaning means friendship and alliance. Abram didn't just go and build the altar anywhere. He built the altar in Hebron, which means friendship and an alliance. When he lit the, lit, 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 lit the flames, when he, when he set up the altar, he set it up because I want to be your friend. I want to be in alliance with you, God. But then he also, uh, in, the, in the area of the, of the trees where he was, it was in Mamre. Guess what Mamre means? Mamre means fully assimilated, well-fed, and supplied. And here's the thing, right? When, when Lot had the decision of where he would go, guess where he went? He went to a place called Sodom. And Sodom was like the massive big city with all the resources, looked fantastic. It was like, it was like Las Vegas in the middle of the desert, right? Anyone ever been to Las Vegas beforehand? It's barren everywhere and there's this huge city out of the middle of nowhere. And Lot was like, well, let me see Abraham. Where would I want to go today? I might want, I'll, just, I'll, I'll ask the Lord. He goes, any, mini, money, mo. And like, he looks all the desert over here and he sees this amazing city over here. And he says, you know what, I actually really feel like God's calling me to the amazing city. Um, how about I go there and, uh, you know, you go to there and we'll be all going. Abraham, Abraham trusted more than what he could see. He trusted in what God had for him. And the ironic thing was, is that when God said to him, stand here and look out, he sees everything, including Sodom. So even though Lot got Sodom temporarily, by the way, things did not work out there. <laughs> he actually was given to Abraham everything. And so when we see Mamre fully assimilated, well-fed, abundantly supplied, God is his provider. And we see this place where he's creating an altar in this place. <laughs> and by the way, Sodom... For those who are wondering and playing at home, Scotton means scorched. And here's our reality. We can choose the world's way, which was Sodom during this time. 
We can choose the world's way and it can leave us being scorched. Or we can build altars to God and says, God, I know you're my friends. I know that you're close. I know that I am in alliance with you. I know that I'm in a place where I can receive from you. I know that I am well fed. I know that you are indeed going before me. I know that you are the God above everything. You are God Almighty. And we can create altars in that particular place. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.